but why not them, you know? Um, and we don't always understand God's plans and everything, and we don't need to understand God's plans, right? We, we will one day. We will one day, you know, but, and even without that, just, I'm grateful just for my salvation alone, you know, when I think about how it used to be, you know, and what I am now, you know, there's no way you would have told me 20 plus years ago where I would be at now and the things that I used to do and how God brought me through. And we all have that testimony, right? So, you know, at a minimum, we're grateful for our salvation. And there's many things that we are all grateful for, right? We, we could spend weeks talking about everything that God has brought us through, right? And God's brought us all through different things, right? But that shows how good he is. Right. The fact that he thought about us before we were in formed in our mother's womb. Right. He, he thought about us to call us to bring us to Jesus. Right. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm grateful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's worth the clap on. I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. You know, and uh, God is good. Amen. God. God is good. You know, despite what, the, you know. Things we may face, uh, you know, because funny, because I, I, I laugh because I, I sent the offering to a, a church, one of our old churches in Connecticut. And then, lo and behold, I had to go pick up Marshall because the dog didn't want to walk no more. So I had to go pick her up this morning. And uh, I noticed the bricks were giving out, <laughs> right? So I, there's a leak somewhere. And I said, ain't that something? I sent the offering and look what happens. But, you know, I'm grateful. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm grateful, all right? And then uh, I thought about saying, you know what, I'm going to reach out to Danny. But I reached, I had texted him before that. Right? And I said, you know what, I'm not going to bother Danny about this, you know. And uh, it'll be taken care of. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. Amen. So we, we, um, we talked about uh, shepherds last week. And uh, Jesus saying, I am the shepherd. And, you know, we're we going through the I am. And I, I may take a break because... Uh, in between, um, but I'll, I'll see how the Lord leads. I'll pray about it, talk about the uh, kingdom of God, but we'll, we'll see, you know. Um, but yes, we, we talked about, let, let's go to John. Let, let's read John real quick, and we won't spend much time in John. But this is our foundational scriptures for this. So, um, because Jesus is the good shepherd. <clears throat> you know, and he is the light of the world. He is the bread of life. You know, he, he is everything that we can ever need or think about ever needing. Jesus is that to us. And, and, and the good thing about the I Am series, it should keep us in remembrance no matter what obstacles we may face in life. I Am is there with us. Right? I Am, matter of fact, not only is there with us, but he was there before us. Right. So, you know, sometimes, you know, we're not supposed to be anxious, but we do get anxious. Right. Because it's, it's a natural human feeling. Right. We can get anxious and, uh, you know, we may beat ourselves up about it. But when we get anxious, we just remember that Jesus is I am. I am. And he's already there. He already knows. Right. So whatever we may face, whatever the world may try to bring against us. The enemy try to bring against us. I am is there. 
And you know what the beauty of it is? The battle's not ours. (laughs) The battle's not ours, right? But see, sometimes we feel like we have to fight that battle. And then we forget I am and we put I am on the shelf. (laughs) And then we want to become I am and not realizing it. We weren't built that way, right? The Lord didn't make us that way, right? But he wanted us to do what? Cast our cares on him. Amen. Amen. All right, so John chapter 10. And I've been coughing a lot today and, and yesterday. So, um, all right, John chapter 10, uh, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So, you know, we talked about before that whenever Jesus said, I am, they knew. And we're going to see that today because he's not just saying, I am the good shepherd, as in this is something new. But this was going all the way back to Genesis 49. Genesis 49 describes the Lord as being the shepherd and the stone of Israel. And the great part of this, as, as uh, we'll get there uh, as we read these verses, that, guess what? He is our great shepherd as Gentiles, right? He is our stone as well. He is the one that we can lean on and we can rely on. Verse 12, But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 16, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. One flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said these are not the words of one who has a demon can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Amen. Let's pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for your word, Lord God. We just thank you, Lord God, that we are grateful to you, Lord, and that you are faithful, Lord God, to us. Oh, Heavenly Father, God, we pray right now, Father God, that you would just have your way in this service, Lord God. You lead me, you guide me, Lord God, on what you want me to speak and what you don't want me to speak, oh, Heavenly Father, God. Lord God. I pray right now, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would just just move me, Lord. Give me the words, Lord God, on what you want me to say, oh, Heavenly Father God. We just thank you, Father God. We pray right now that you place a hedge of protection around us, oh, Heavenly Father God. And we pray, Lord God, that we will learn more of you, Lord, and that you will receive all the glory. For you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we just thank you and we give you honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we, we uh, just a quick review, you know, we talked about the shepherd, right? And we talked about one of the uh, definitions um, for shepherd in the Greek was that it was of Christ, of the assemblies, right? And we also talked about how shepherd can also be a manager and, and, a, and an overseer. And I talked about how in the Old Testament that shepherds were not only just spiritual leaders, but they were also the kings as well, right? And how that can apply, apply today with our governmental leaders. And we, we, uh, I mentioned how we have good shepherds and bad shepherds, 
right? And, and Jesus describes them as hirelings, <laughs> right? So, you know, and I, I said sometimes we can expect the pastors and those in leadership to be perfect, right? And then, um, but like I said, there's never going to be a perfect church, never going to be a perfect pastor down here outside of Jesus Christ, right? He, he is the only perfect one, right? So we being humans, we're going to make our mistakes. And, you know, one thing that we do is, uh, you know, when we have seminaries and Bible college, we teach people on how to be, um, we teach biblical knowledge, right? Which is a good thing. We teach knowledge about the Bible and, and, and things like that, which is a good thing. But one thing we neglect in teaching is how to be shepherds, right? That, that's not something that doesn't usually get taught in the Bible college or, or even seminary, right? So I, I, was, uh, I was thinking about this, so hopefully this comes out right. But, um, you know, when I was in the Navy, and I, I've talked about me being a chief petty officer before. So when you get selected to chief being, a, you know, E7, you, you, when you're E1 through E6, you learn to, to get to the top, right? Regardless of, not, not that you're stepping over people, but you're going to do what you have to do to get promoted. And that's what, but once you become, once you get selected for chief, now it's like you go through what's called the chief induction, and they're trying to get you out of that mindset to now it's no longer about you, but it's about taking care of your people, right? So one of the things, and you probably was wondering what this was, if you saw it, but it's not eggs because it's too heavy to be eggs. But one of the things, one of the lessons that they taught us were, don't laugh at me, <laughs> was, um, you know, in, in reference to taking care of your sailors, your division, those who won. So th this was basically like our division. So we had to paint little rocks and things like that. Right? <laughs> I'll pass it around. But um, so we had to take care of all these and we had to have names for them. We had a whole book. We, we had to have names for them. And, and if one was missing, we had to have paperwork for why they were missing, why they won't leave or, or whatever it was. <laughs> I said, don't laugh at me. <laughs> but the moral of the story is you have the moral of the story was, or it, is the fact that we learn to take care of people. To and they, you know, the, the the Navy wasn't trying to teach it that way, but you basically learn how to be a shepherd, right? Because the shepherds was designed to take care of the flock, right? It's no longer about you. And I talked about how last week, you know, especially as Suva, you should know your people, right? And and that's what it was about. So. I reflect back to even when I was having surgery. Well, I didn't see it because I was knocked out. But, you know, my wife mentioned how the chief of the police department came by to visit. Right. That was him being a good shepherd because he didn't have to do that. Right. But he took the time out of his schedule to come and sit with my wife and dad during the surgery. Right. Which was a good thing. That shows that he what? He cares. Right. So, that we, we you know, even in the corporate world. You know, because it used to be you get your promotion to get what? More money, right? That's what it's about. Get more money, potentially get your own office. But even that, they, they're starting to, they were starting to try to change that mindset. And it's almost like a, even though they're the world and even though the Navy's the world, it's almost like a biblical mindset that they were trying to bring in, right? Because even with the going through the uh, chief's induction, you didn't have to go through it. You could choose not to, but you will see a difference between one who has 
and one who has not because one who has not they didn't care really about their people right but one who has they have learned to care about their people and to take care of their people amen so I talked about how the hirelings were wage workers and we have to understand and I, and I pretty much mentioned earlier that the shepherd and the sheep was not a New Testament principle it was an Old Testament principle right so let's turn to let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 2 <coughs> Jeremiah chapter 2. So, I gave you the, the Greek definition for shepherd. Here's the Hebrew definition. Right? So, when we, when we look at the, the meanings of the words in the Old Testament, we're looking from the Hebrew standpoint. So, the Hebrew definition of shepherd is this. It means to shepherd of a ruler, a teacher of people as a flock, to associate with, to be a friend. Right? And friend means to, to, to be an ally, to be a shadow, to be a companion, right? These are all things that a shepherd should be. What, okay, and when we think about a shepherd with uh, being around sheep, they're like a friend. They're, they're companions, right? And, and, and I probably didn't notice, but I forgot. But it also means in the Old Testament, it also means pastor, right? Because in the King James Version, sometimes it may not say ruler, because some of our modern translations will have ruler, or shepherd, but in the King James Version, and also in the Jewish Bible, it'll have pastor there, right? So, Jeremiah chapter 2, I'm going to read verse 8. So, the priest did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. So, that word ruler there, Actually, in the King James, is going to be pastor, right? So he says, "Look, he he says the priest did not say, where is the Lord?'" In other words, they weren't these shepherds were not looking for the Lord, right? They they were not looking for the Lord, and even though they taught people the law, they themselves did not know the law. And what I mean by that is, they taught the law, but they did not follow the things of the law. And it's the same thing as today. We may have what we talked about before, false teachers, right? False teachers, they may teach things, but th there's no relationship with the Lord there. We have to have a relationship with the Lord. So let's turn to uh, one chapter over, chapter 3, verse 15. Jer yeah, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15 says, And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Right? Who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So, again, shepherds there means pastor. Here's the other thing, though. That word, who will feed you, that word feed is actually the same Hebrew word for shepherd. So, it'll read like this. And I will give you pastors according to my heart who will lead or shepherd you with knowledge and understanding. See, you are not a true shepherd if you don't teach people. See, because sometimes we have a lot of fun and games going on behind the pulpit, right? What I mean by that, a lot, of, a lot of people in leadership saying things that don't line up with the word and just giving and teaching their opinion. But we have to, as shepherds, we have to teach the truth. 
and we have to teach it. And now that see, we can't teach with understanding if we don't have understanding, right? And that understanding, actually, really, yeah, can it, some of it come from school? Yes, but it's going to come from spending time with the Lord. Amen. It's going to come from spending time with the Lord, right? So now, with us being in this time, being in the church, we have the Holy Spirit that does what? Bring us in the remembrance of the Word, right? So we may not all be called pastors, but we all have the ability to teach the God's Word, right? So now this goes back to even to the definition in the Hebrew word of shepherd, meaning a friend. And I talked about how last week how all these characteristics don't just apply to pastors, but it should be to what? All people, right? All believers, not all people, but all believers, right? That's what it should be. So even as a friend, as a companion, we can find someone to shepherd, right? Doesn't necessarily mean we're over them, but we're teaching them, right? And that is a part of discipleship, right? We read it Wednesday. Byron read it Wednesday about uh, the Great Commission, right? We're called to make disciples. That's, that, that is a part of that. All right, so uh, Jeremiah 10, 21, you don't have to turn there because I'm paraphrasing here. says, shepherds who become brutish shall not prosper and their flocks shall be scattered. So brutish actually means stupid, dull-hearted, <laughs> right? So shepherds, leaders who become stupid or dull-hearted, what? Their flocks going to scatter. So Jesus said in Mark chapter 6 that what? He had compassion on the people. Why do you have compassion? Because he saw them as sheep without what? A shepherd. And that's what the Pharisees were. See, we talked about even going all the way back, and I think Phil mentioned it before, that actually, you mentioned it with the woman with the issue of blood, how she wasn't supposed to be even be with the public, right? Around the people, right? That is true. But here's the thing. The priests still should have been looking after her. But see, what the Pharisees neglected to do, they weren't concerned about her. Why? Because she can't give what other people can give. It was all about their needs. They were selfish. That's why Jesus was comparing them as hirelings. Right? And that's what some of the priests and the leaders were doing in the Old Testament. They weren't following the ways of God. They were, even in the kings, what they would do is they would submit to the false prophets. Right? That's why Jeremiah had a lonely walk because he was surrounded by wicked people and false prophets and he was the only one standing up speaking for truth right but let's turn to uh, I don't want to go there sorry <laughs> so we have to understand even in the Old Testament they were still supposed to see about the people serve the people that was the, the, the heart that David had that's why, even though, yes, he was a shepherd in a natural before he became king, as king, he was still functioning as a shepherd because he still had a heart for the people. Did he make mistakes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? But Phil said it before. Once he made a mistake and he got corrected, he didn't make it again. Right? You live and you learn. You live and you learn. We don't keep going back and making the same mistakes over and over. Right? So, Proverbs uh, 27, 23 says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. Right. So we have to know the people. And I, and I, I touched on that last week. We have to know the people. In the Old Testament, the metaphor of shepherd is portrayed 
with the leadership exercised by political and military leaders and by God. Rulers should act like a shepherd of his subjects. When leadership is poor or absent, Israel is likened to sheep without a shepherd. Like a good shepherd, the shepherd function of a leader includes gathering the dispersed, those who are scattered, righteously ruling his subjects, and caring for the weak. So this goes back again to the Pharisees neglecting the sick. And what, what else did the Pharisees do? I think I, I mentioned it last week, right? When Jesus was speaking, he was speaking being a good shepherd. Why? Because they had just excommunicated the blind man who got his sight back out of the synagogue. Not for anything he did wrong, but because he won't, wouldn't speak against Jesus. Right? So this man just had a good thing done to him, and they weren't concerned about that. They were more concerned about their point getting across and how they were, in other words, they were in the flesh. They were in the flesh. See, no matter who we are, if, we're, if we get in the flesh, we're going to do opposite a lot of times than what God's word tells us to do. Why? Because we're going to be led by our own emotions, our own feelings, right? And even though we may know the truth, we're going to be like, oh, nope, don't worry about it. You know, but we're going to do what we want to do. And that's not, that's not what God's calling us to do. So, in the Old Testament, God is described as a shepherd, right? So, God is described, and I mentioned Genesis 49, 49 and 24 says this, but his bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. So that's where the Lord is described as a shepherd. Right? And we know what? Psalm 23. Right? Psalm 23. The Lord is what? My shepherd. What? We shall not want. Why? Because he's going to take care of us. Right? He makes us lie down in green pastures. Right? What, what else? Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 40. And give me about eight more minutes. And I'll finish this up next week. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, beginning at verse 10. 10 11. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He will feed his flock. He will feed his flock. Like a shepherd, he will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. In other words, these are the same characteristics Jesus was describing even in the New Testament. In other words, he's going to take care of his sheep. Right? This, this is the Lord saying he's going to take care of his sheep and his kind. And this is why it's vital for us to understand that, you know, because we have people saying, well, yeah, I'm called to be a pastor or this and that. No. It's a high responsibility. Why? Because you're taking on the characteristics of God. Any leadership position, right? Any leadership position, no matter what, the fivefold ministry is designed to do what? For the what? Equipping other saints, right? That's being shepherds, right? So it's not just, hey, let's come in here, let's shout, let's have a good time. No, we got to learn of the word, right? Because if we don't learn of the word and we don't teach just like I read from uh, Jeremiah 3.15, right? Feed you with knowledge and understanding. 
Knowledge and understanding. That, and this is where we can help others, right? Because we, we know that there's people out there, they're uh, attending places, and they're not getting the word. They're not getting the word, right? And it's not for us to just say, all right, well, come over to New Life Kingdom. No, it's a time for us, for you to step up and also impart into them, right? Now, we don't want to be prideful in that, right? But we want to do it out of love, right? Because a lot of times what we do is we do it out of pride. And then we get puffed up. Why? Because now we start to think we got more knowledge. It's very easy to do, right? I've been guilty of it. I've been guilty of it, right? But God doesn't want us to be like that. He wants us to speak in love, speak in humility, right? And, and, and that is the good thing. See, so even when Peter, right, what did Jesus do when he came, right after his rest? He what? He restored Peter, right? Let's, let's turn to John 21. And let's see what he told Peter to do. John 21, beginning at verse 15. And I got one more Psalms to read, and I'll read it. You can write it down for your notes if you have. Psalms 28 and 9 says, Save your people and bless your inheritance. Shepherd them also and bear them up forever. And then when I was in your scripture reference for when I said how the priest was supposed to see about the, the those who are wounded and sickly, is Leviticus 13. Why? Because the priests in the Old Testament, they were also like medical practitioners. Why? Because you would go to them to determine whether or not you just had a simple rash or whether or not you had leprosy. Right? And, and, that, and that's what the priest would decide. So it's not a, it's an indictment on you if you have a pastor that don't visit those who are sick and shut in. Right? Because what happens now, we, we, we form teams, and it's, it's not that we can't have other people go and visit those who are in the hospital, those who are sick and shut in. But as the pastor, as a shepherd, as a person in leadership, you should want to go. You should want to go. Why? Because that's the love of Christ. That's what Jesus would do. We don't leave it for somebody else to just go ahead and go while, and we say, well, because there are people that believe this. Pastor's job is just to sit up there and just preach the word. That's it. That's not the pastor's job. Pastor's job is to be a shepherd. If all you're doing is preaching the word, then you're not being a shepherd. As a matter of fact, in my opinion, I've said this a lot, that as pastors, we're to teach and preach the word, but we should be even better shepherds. We should be better shepherds. That's what we should be looking for. All right, so John 21. I say John 21, right? All right, verse 15. Just making sure y'all paid attention. I knew what I said. <laughs> All right, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now, understand who these are, right? He's comparing them to these other disciples, right? Do you love me more than these? Why is he comparing them to these other disciples? Because in Matthew 26, when Jesus said that the shepherd will be smitten and the sheep will scatter, Peter said, Lord, they may go, and I'm paraphrasing now, but I'm not leaving you at all. And what do we know? Peter left. Peter not only left, and then Jesus said what? You're going to deny me three times. How many times did Jesus ask Peter right here? Three times, part of the restoration. All right. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. 
Feed my lambs. Verse 16. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And we'll come back to feed and tend in a minute. Uh, verse 17. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. See, so let's, let's go back up to verse 15. That word feed in the Greek means to portray the duty of a, to portray the duty of the Christian teacher to promote the spiritual welfare of the members of the church. That's what that word means. All right, so now let's go to 16, verse 16. With my translation says 10, yours may still say, uh, depending on what translation you have. I'm reading from the New King James, sorry. Um, may still have feed there. So that word is a different Greek word here. That Greek word means to rule, govern, to nourish, cherish, to serve the body, to supply what's necessary for the soul's needs. And so these are things as as leaders in the church, we're to do what? We're to serve. We're to serve. That, that, that's what we're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to be doing. See, see, sometimes we get caught up in what's going on in the world. See, not only do we serve as, just taking that from not just pastors, but all believers, we're supposed to serve not only people in the church, but guess what? We should serve the people out there in the world. But we don't do that because we start to look at people out in the world from through the lens of the flesh right so whether or not they're transgender whether or not they're homosexual or whether or not they're a murderer we start to look at them that way and we then unbeknownst to us sometimes we may despise them oh how could you do that how? Jesus still died for them right those are the people Jesus still ministered to Right? So those are the people we still have to go to. That's a part of discipleship. I talked about that before. See, a lot of times we think in discipleship is just for believers. No, we can still disciple because they could be seeking the Lord. And then how, how would they know? Unless we teach them. We go to them. We love them. Right? That's a part of having the characteristics of a true shepherd. Right? We have to love those who the world may despise, right? Regardless of what they do, right? So I used to be a part of a, well, I still am, but we're just not uh, meeting as much as we used to, but a law enforcement ministry group, well, it was first responders. It wasn't just law enforcement, first responders ministry group. And I'm so glad that one person from the FBI, because he talked about, because he works in uh, sex crimes, and he talked about how, you know, even if he said, you know, we're to love everybody, including the sex offenders, right? And, and some of them looked at him like, no, it's the truth, right? Because sometimes, you know, when you're dealing with law enforcement officers, they want to see things one way, right? But I like to check law enforcement, even believers. I, I like to check them a lot because you can't be one way and think one way, but we have to think of the way of Yahweh. I just made that up. <laughs> right, but we got to think of Yahweh. We have to love all, all people, right? So it is necessary for us to 
visit those who may not be able to come to church. And, I, and when I say may not be able to come to church, I'm talking about those who physically can't come to church. I'm not just talking about those who are refusing to come to church. Right? But we have to love others. We, 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 it, it is vital for us to do that. And, it, and this is my Siri going off. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm over my time. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. I'm going to read this from uh, 1 Peter 2.25. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Look, these are, see, when Jesus told Peter to feed his sheep, that's what he did. Now, was Peter perfect? No, we see in Acts that he still made mistakes. But as Peter got more mature and more wiser, he became, he, he, he started, that's when he wrote his letters. Right? That's when he wrote his letters. And he encouraged those who were in the face of persecution. And he told them still to love. Matter of fact, he taught them how you don't, you don't even have to fall. Right? Uh, this wasn't even part of my message. Let me make sure uh, I want to turn to First Peter. Okay, Second Peter, sorry, Second Peter, chapter 1. And this applies to every believer, right? There, there should be no backsliding in us. Why? And, and Peter gives us the formula right here. All right, verse 2. Actually, we'll start at verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So he's writing to believers here. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So, as believers, we have escaped that corruption, right? We should not be bound in those things. So, I, I think I mentioned last week how, as believers, we can still commit sins. And in 1 John 1 and 9, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. But we should not be sinners, right? We should not be sinners. And sinners means you are devoted to sin. That's exactly what it means. All right, verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. So as we become born-again believers, now we, we come in what? Faith. Right? So he, has, he says, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be the, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Alright. Uh, yeah, verse 10. Sorry. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call, call and election sure. 
For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Never stumble. Right? This is, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Right? This is something we should memorize. Because we need to add to faith, virtue. All these things we should add. And if we do these things, we will never stumble. Right? We won't be short-sighted. Right? But we will have the character of Christ. Right? And, and the thing about it is, as believers, not us, right? But other believers, right? We, we tend to make these things optional. But let me tell you, folks, it's not optional. It's not optional. Right? Because if, if we make it optional, then we're doing what we want to do. And we're putting ourselves before God. And we can't do that. Right? But again, doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. We may make a mistake here and there. We may lose our cool here and there with somebody. But we need to confess our sins. Right? And not become prideful about it. But if we do these things, we will never stumble. We will never fall. Right? We won't be short-sighted. In other words, we can have the vision of the Lord. We can see it far off. Amen. I'll stop there. I'll pick up. I ain't get to the Old Testament scripture I really wanted to get to. But the Lord didn't want me to go there yet. So, amen. Let's bow our heads.